You are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed <laughs> in the world as we know it. I, I'm all mixed up. I was so into that song. Yeah. I finally got the the songs of peace and justice for the holiday season from the Seattle Labor Chorus, and that one was the Solar Carol. Yeah. Um. Otherwise, I could play Oil for the World. <laughs> Just like yeah. Now, now that we've got this CD back, whenever I hear the the original songs, I'm going to think of the alternate versions. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Solar Energy. Um. Hark the Walmart banner say. <laughs> anyway, we'll play a few of those over the next few weeks. Um, maybe we'll just do one of just this whole CD, just yeah. for fun. <laughs> um, you are listening to Your Community Spirit. This is Ord Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And we are here in the studio with a s- special guest. <laughs> yeah, we've got Bedelia in the studio here too. Let's talk about how the world is falling apart. While we work on making it better. Yeah. Methane emissions are racing toward nightmare status. (laughs) Yeah. That's not at all a sensationalist headline there. (laughs) Methane emissions are racing toward nightmare status. Concentrations of the potent greenhouse gas rose faster and faster in the last decade and potentially in the last two years, according to two new studies. If methane, um, that's... Cows farts, yeah. right? Cow farts. Well, and some humans fart methane, too. Actually, not all humans do, but some do. Quote, if methane keeps going up, we could easily see a degree Fahrenheit increase independent of CO2 by the end of the century, says Stanford Earth scientist Robert Jackson, co-author of both studies. That would be a worst-case scenario, end quote. The cause is largely biological. It's too soon to pin the blame on one factor, whether flooded rice paddies, growing cattle herds, belching landfills, melting permafrost, or gassy wetlands. I said gassy wetlands. Yes, I did. But our agriculture deserves particular attention, the studies show. That doesn't mean we can ignore the methane contributions of oil and gas exploration, Jackson cautions, but rather that ag deserves, quote, the same level of scrutiny. Today, atmosphere methane is up 150% from pre-industrial levels, so very little bit to reduce emissions counts. Switching up rice varieties, feeding cattle with a less gassy diet, catching emissions from landfills before they're belched. How do you belch a landfill? are all important steps, scientists say. Spiking methane isn't good, but it is a growing opportunity to fight back against climate change. I read another article one time about how apparently, supposedly, if you feed the cows a certain type of algae, it helps reduce the the methane in their poops, (laughs) in their farts. You know, so uh, it's interesting all the little steps you can take. I mean, another step is to not have so many cattle. (laughs) Portland bans new fossil fuel infrastructure in a stand against climate change. Portland City Council unanimously voted on Wednesday, hey, we're like on top of the news, to adopt zoning code changes that ban 
the construction of new fossil fuel terminals and the expansion of any existing ones in Oregon's largest city. This is likely the first time an American city has welded its city code to halt such a large array of fossil fuel projects. Under the new ordinance, which will take place next month, new large terminals for transporting and storing coal, methanol, and various natural gas and oil products can't be built in the city. The rule also forbids expansion of Portland's 11 existing facilities, one liquid natural gas plant, and 10 terminals for petroleum fuels. Um, it's kind of scary that they have that much, like, I don't know, bomb material. Yeah, it's that, in, in, that in, explosive in, already there. It this. also makes it a big deal, though, that they're passing something like this. If it were a city that didn't have anything like that, then sure, it's just uh, an official measure. But this is actually going to impact things. Quote, in order to make our attention real, to not be party to the increase in fossil fuels, we had to go down into the details of our zoning code and change it and say that these uses are prohibited, Portland Mayor Charlie Hales told Inside Climate News before the vote, which ended up being 5-0. to zero. He added, what we've done in Portland is replicable now in other cities. Everyone has a zoning code, end quote. Portland's zoning code update is just the latest ex example of how communities are finding creative ways to prioritize public health, safety, and the climate ahead of the new fossil fuel infrastructure. Earlier this year, city council members in nearby Vancouver, Washington, passed an ordinance to ban future oil terminals, and the officials in Oakland, California, approved a ban on all new coal infrastructure, effectively rejecting a proposed new coal terminal. As more terminal as more communities take steps like this, Hale said, quote, we can build part of a green wall on the West Coast by saying we aren't going to have these facilities in our city. It starts to have a profound effect that's far more than local, end quote. Reminds me of the quotes, uh, we'll, we'll build a wall and we'll make them pay for it. <laughs> uh, we'll build a green wall and we'll make the polluting industries pay for it. Uh, yeah, th this is another ex good example, too, of how you don't have to wait for federal action in order to make changes. You know, your city, your state, your county can all work to improve the conditions that you live in. The, the people can improve the conditions that they live in. All right, so in other news, backup plans. Scientists try to download government climate data before it disappears forever. Totally chill scientists are trying to download government climate data before it disappears forever. It's not like anyone thinks Trump's appointees will delete or suppress valuable troves of data, including CO2 levels, sea and land surface temperatures, ice sheet thickness, sea level rise maps, changes in the Gulf Stream, and more, right? Surely they would never do that. Well, just in case, scientists have started to make copies of vast historical data sets that are currently housed on government servers. Well, I mean, just to be a little devil's advocate, shouldn't they already have a backup copy? Yeah, it doesn't hurt, you know. <laughs> just like I mean, let's say a, a meteor strikes <laughs> D.C. or whatever, you know. It, this is very important historical climate data, so let's back it up. <laughs> just like so the, the Climate Mirror, a project duplicating important public data sets... So see, they're sort of working at it anyway in a nonpartisan manner. They launched a, a tweet from journalist Eric Holthaus and 
It's organized by the University of California at Davis environmental researcher Nick Santos. Santos said, something that seemed a little paranoid to me before all of a sudden seems potentially realistic. Now, you know, the incoming administration hasn't announced any plans to edit or delete these data sets, but again, it doesn't hurt to back them up. And it wouldn't be the first time that researchers were muzzled by a conservative administration. During the Bush years, climate scientists were systematically censored, according to a 2007 report from the House Oversight Committee. It also reminds me of how we've discussed on the show before in in the state of Florida, uh, state employees were not allowed to talk about climate change. So with these little things going on in these here and there instances of suppressing the information, it really doesn't hurt to back up the data. You can call it paranoid if you want. You can you can say whatever you like about it, but may as well back up the data. Other effects efforts to protect this data, including guerrilla archiving <laughs> events and end of term. End of term is a nonpartisan Library of Congress project to preserve a copy of all .gov sites as they stand at the end of the 2016 administration. Yeah. So if you know. Basically, they go in and scrub out anything in from any .gov website about yeah. climate change. If they you know, send it down the memory it, hole. Yeah, it will be, you know, they've got a copy of it. So. Yeah, that would be interesting even under any circumstances, you know, just to see what sort of tweaks the new administration makes. But especially in a case like this where there may be specific topics that they alter the language of, alter the information, now we'll know. Deepwater gets okay for full throttle at Block Island Wind Farm. As the Block Island Wind Farm ramps up for commercial operations, it's not as simple as pressing a button or flipping a switch. Instead, after Deepwater Wind managers determine the time is right, an engineer in the company's Providence offices will give the go-ahead to a counterpart with turbine manufacturer General Electric, who, from a remote location, will execute software to fully activate the first offshore wind farm in the United States. This sounds like, like, like what do you call it? I don't know, a spy thriller movie. It's like <laughs> yeah. this person over here to, tells this person at an offshore location to like do this. Yeah, too bad we don't have the Mission Impossible music queued up. Dun, it's just, dun, 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 dun. And it's not quite actually full activation. Because of an equipment mishap, one of the five, one of the five six megawatt turbines is actually down for repairs and isn't set to go online again until the end of this month. Whether the four remaining turbines that are installed this fall in the waters of Block Island spin at full power, of course, is dependent on the wind yeah. <laughs> and whether it's blowing. But with deep water on Monday receiving the all clear from the operator of the regional power grid. It now has permission to remove any construction, any constraints on the generating potential of the 30 megawatt wind farm and began selling all the electricity pumped out of the towering wind turbines. So this is historical because this is the first offshore wind farm. Yeah, it still blows my mind that it took this long for the U.S. to have its first offshore wind farm. And there are six megawatts. Yeah. I mean... um, that's a lot of power. I want to say that the the Brightfield Solar Project here, if they put the whole thing in, was supposed to be two megawatts, and that will do about four thousand homes. So you're talking 
each one will do about 12,000 homes. My rough math, I don't know. Depends on how energy efficient the homes are. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. So in other news, we have more renewable news as well. Solar capacity growth has increased 99% since last quarter. It's been a big third quarter uh, for solar. U.S. solar industry just experienced a quarter of record-breaking growth. Uh, I think I'll let you finish this one. All right. Bedelia is talkative at the moment. With 4,143 megawatts, that's a million watts, of solar capacity added between July and September. That's a 99% increase over the previous quarter and 191% increase over the same time last year. Those numbers come from a quarterly report issued by the Solar Energy Industries Association and market analysis firm GTM Research. According to the report, an average of one new megawatt of solar generating capacity came online every 32 minutes between July and September. From the beginning of the year through September, new solar capacity represented 39% of all the new electric generation capacity in the United States, second only to natural gas in terms of the share of new electric capacity. Much of that growth came due to utility-scale solar installations. Residential solar, in contrast, has steadily fallen over the last year, due in part to the slowdown in major markets like California. But Tom Kibbis, Interim Solar Energy Industries Association president, told the Washington Post that he wasn't concerned about the slowdown in the residential solar and said that market said that as markets adjust, he expects residential solar installations to bounce back to normal levels. Recent gains in the industry seem poised to continue. The report notes that the fourth quarter of the year is on pace to break the record-setting growth of the third quarter. Some of the boon can be attributed to uncertainty surrounding key federal tax credits supporting solar, which were set to expire in 2017. Companies look to capitalize on those quarters, tried hard to push through solar projects in 2016, but then Congress extended the tax credit. Companies can now push project into 2017 or later. So, yeah, I mean, the federal tax credit has been extended till 2022, but it, it gets to be a little less every year. Yeah. So currently it's at 30%. Um, I guess I can reiterate the, the information, though, about Illinois. Illinois just passed the, let me see if I'll get it right off the top of my head, the Future Clean Energy Jobs Bill, something like that, mm. or the F- Future Energy's Jobs Bill. The main thing is is it's um, a lot of money to go towards renewable energy installation. Basically, their goal is to go from the current 55 installed to 1,350 <laughs> installed by 2020. Yeah. So that's quite a big change. So what is that? I mean, is that's not quite a 1,000% a increase, but... Yeah. Um, going from 55 to over a 1,300, yeah, that's a major jump. Yeah, it's um, almost 30 times, just mental math. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And um, there's a major bit of money behind it. 
too. And so, unfortunately, that money does not become available until June 1st of next year. So really, have two and a half years, you know, once the project starts, to go from 55 to 1350. Yeah, so that's going to be a lot of installation. Correct. <laughs> and so, if that happens, um, I would say Illinois, if I remember right, will go become the sixth in the nation as far as solar installed. Yeah. Just go from like nothing, like, and jump up to, you know, in the top 10. Yeah. Well, and that'll be quite a big shift because I know I was just hearing last night about how Illinois is one of the, I think, fifth maybe in coal in the in the country. Like it's a high coal country area. So then if it makes a shift and also becomes fifth or sixth in solar, yep. then <laughs> that'll be quite a change. Well, considering that a lot of the coal companies are laying off people because coal has dropped from 50% market share in energy down to almost 30% in the last couple of years just because the cost of coal is higher than the cost of natural gas. Yeah. And so... Um, and really, I've a lot of the plants may just be staying open just in the hope that coal will eventually boom again, but it's not going to boom again. <laughs> and so there's this shift of, you know, coal to soul where people are... Be- Coal miners are being retrained to be solar installers. Yeah, I like that yeah. phrase, coal to soul. Yeah. So I might have made it up, yeah. but <laughs> I don't know because I um, read a lot of stuff and some things get stuck in my mind. Yeah. If you would like a link to um, a webinar about this new bill, it is 540 pages. Hmm. And so the webinar was, um, was it Wednesday? or th- Yeah, I think it was Wednesday. I, no, Tuesday. I watched it. And um, I have a link to it. If you want to receive it, copy of it, send me an email, info at yourcommunityspirit.org. And um, we'll try to maybe pay, post it on our Facebook, too. Yeah. Sounds like some light reading, uh, 540 pages. <laughs> Just like... <laughs> Don't you mean an energized, yeah, energized by the light reading? Yeah, energizing <laughs> reading. <laughs> Just like, um, it is absolutely phenomenal because the the money, the state can't touch it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Just like, so it's what, yeah. That was my first question. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna because <laughs> there is a g- existing state rebate program yeah. that they collect the money, but it gets, swap, it gets swept taken, into the yeah. general fund. Some states, we won't mention which states, collect money for one thing and then spend it on in the other. Everyone, it's Illinois. Every yeah. state. Every <laughs> Probably every state, but Illinois um, is known for But in it. this program, it is a closed loop um, that the, you know basically the money is collected and it can only be used for that because that's the program. Yeah. So the state has nothing to do with it. <laughs> Just like... Today is National Chocolate Covered Anything Day. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> sounds like, like my kind of day. Tomorrow is National Maple Syrup Day. So if you find some chocolate covered syrup, you get a bonus. I would say spend two days getting covered with stuff, and then Sunday should be take a shower for a long time day. <laughs> yeah, it does say chocolate covered anything. All right, we also have coming up Bake Cookies Day, and. Uh, Let's see. Look for an evergreen day. They're easier to find this time of year, aren't they? <laughs> uh, all the other trees don't have their leaves. Well, I hope some people will buy the live tree with the roots and then plant it. 
Yeah. For the holiday. That way you're not killing a tree for the holiday. Yep. And so. Here's another fun one. Go caroling day. So you could take some of these. People do that? Yeah, I guess people still go caroling. You could take some of these holiday songs we're playing, like the solar energy one and all that, and carol with those. Solar. I forgot. Solar energy. Inexpensive energy. Hmm. Um, coming up is Humbug Day, so maybe we should like skip that day. Yeah, bah humbug. We'll be too humbug to celebrate Humbug Day. Well, it, it is the shortest day of the year also. So yeah. Winter solstice. It's good that they picked the bah humbug day for the shortest day. But it's also look on the bright side day because guess what? The sun will come out tomorrow. Yeah. Right? The, so, sun, the days start getting longer again. Yeah, after that day, the days start getting longer. So it's a pretty exciting time. Yeah. Um. My, what do you call it? My Rotary Club, we normally do our, our street cleanup in the afternoon. But now the afternoon is dark. <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah. like so we normally do it at 530. And so we're actually going to do it um, Saturday morning now because... Well, it's not dark. <laughs> it's not dark, yeah. My mornings have actually been like that. After the time change, my mornings were bright again, but then it's getting darker and darker. Some happenings that people have provided to us. Donations for Standing Rock are still being collected because Southern Illinois stands with Standing Rock. There recently was this phenomenal fundraiser event, and a lot of money was raised Um to buy supplies for there. Yeah. And anyone who can donate supplies may drop their goods during the open hours of Guy House or the Center for Subsistence Research. All right. So the next one is the Silent Art Auction. It's going on also over at Guy House. It's going through Wednesday, December 21st. Uh, the Silent Art Auction will end on that Wednesday, and it's uh, during the business hours or by scheduling an appointment at director at org or 618-549-7387. And they had this on display at the Chris Monoclonzadon. There's still uh, some of those pieces there and some beautiful local artwork, an opportunity to support local artists and support a local nonprofit. There's also an art exhibit by incarcerated people from Statesville Prison. I thought Statesville was like a movie. It's an actual place? Yeah, there might be a movie about it, too. I know I've seen a, the uh, staged reading about it. This ex- exhibition features beautiful screen prints and other work by incarcerated men at Statesville Prison. The reception is open to all, and the exhibit will continue through January, open Saturdays, and by appointment. Who is missing at the table in this holiday season? Over two million are locked up in our country often without recourse to further education. The reception is today at 4.30. Also today at 7 p.m. at the Gaia House is the pizza, I should say pizza and movie party. Which one's more important? The movie and pizza party appears and happens on the third Friday of every month. Join for a night of movies, pizza, popcorn, and more is free and open to the public. Pizza is available for members of Guy House. If you plan on pizza, please go to the Facebook to RSVP so they can make sure there'll be enough pizza. 
And movies and pizza are both equally important, just in different ways. Nourishing the body and the soul. Nourishing the soul with silly movies like Hot Tub Time Machine. Hot Tub is, Time Machine. <laughs> that's what got voted on for the... Sometimes, because of you know the nature of Guy House, sometimes it's these deep, sort of philosophical, political movies. This time, it's Hot Tub Time Machine. <laughs> well, it's what people vote. Right? Yeah, it's what people vote. And it's actually... I've seen it before. It's a pretty fun, goofy movie. So people want to relax and unwind for the holidays. Also tonight... Small Potatoes, Cousin Andy's Concert Series. Today is Friday, in case you didn't know it, December 16th, in case you didn't know it. Mm-hmm. This event will be at 8 p.m., in case you didn't know it, at Yellow Moon Cafe in Cobden. Cousin Andy's invites you to the Yellow Moon Cafe to hear Small Potatoes regale us with their annual holiday concert, which is also Vern Crawford's annual birthday party. Oh. So he doesn't have it biannual. It's every year. Every year he has a birthday. Yeah. yeah. So, and this is the last concert of Cousin Andy's for the season. And if you want a chance to visit with Vernon Lauren, this is it. Yes. Also coming up this weekend, we have the Winter Indoor Community Farmers Market. It's happening Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon over at the Carbondale Community High School. It's all the all the good. Local foods, baked goods, veggies and such that you'd expect at the outdoor one, but now they're indoors. And you should go and stock up because this will be the last one of the year because the 24th and the 31st, they won't have a market. Yeah. So stock up because there won't be a market until January, but it is the winter indoor community farmer's market. So get fresh greens, fresh baked goods, and more. It's like there, we have a lot of farmers who've got greenhouses now. So yeah, yeah. There's I'm always impressed at what's what persists throughout the winter. There are still fresh goods available at the farmers market. All right, coming up, Girls Rock Carbonell presents Thirteenth Sunday, December eighteenth at six to nine p.m. at two one six North Washington Street. Girls Rock Carbonell hosts this weekly Sunday autonomous assembly dinner to present the film 13th. A historical documentary by Ava DeVornay examining the black freedom movement, the evolution of repression and legalized slavery via the 13th Amendment and the making of a black criminality. There will be a free veggie chili dinner there, and that's hosted by Girls Rock Carbondale. Yeah. Sounds like a good movie and a good group. Uh, I wonder if in in a few years Bedelia herself might be part of the Girls Rock program. <laughs> we'll find out if she's if she's into it. I'm glad that it exists though for the people of Carbondale, the girls of Carbondale. Also coming up, we have continuing the conversation every Tuesday at 7 p.m. at the Newman Center. Each week, a group of community members meets on Tuesday night for continuing the conversation. The purpose is to build an interracial community based on listening respectfully to each other's life stories. So once again, that's coming up at the Newman Center at uh, 7 p.m. every Tuesday, continuing the conversation. Uh, we also have on Tuesday the Transportic Playground uh, coming up on Tuesday at 8 p.m. at Gaia House. Uh, people are invited to come whether they want to share their own poetry or just listen to the other poets. And it's always a good time over there. Mark your calendar for Sunday, January 1st. That is, well, 
That's Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. And the monthly community walking meditation that is held the first Sunday of each month from 7.30 to 8 a.m. at the Labyrinth Peace Park. That is north of Gaia House at 913 South Illinois Avenue. Yeah, 7.30 a.m., that's an impressive time for New Year's Day. Uh, either you can still be awake from the last night <laughs> or you can have a, a moderate night before and rise early and walk the Labyrinth. There you go. So I hope you've been having an exciting and informed half hour of your community spirit. We are reminding you that it's cold. No, you already know that part. We are prepared for the shortest day to come up and the sun to come back. I am, at least. (laughs) Let Um, the sun shine in. (laughs) Even though um, this is the shortest month, I looked at the solar system on the station, and it's produced 220 kilowatts for this month so far. There you go. So it is cranking out the power. It cranked out almost um, less th- about 500 watts so far today because it's really cloudy. So it's it's producing almost nothing because <laughs> each solar panel on the roof is, you know, 325 watts. So yeah. <laughs> basically, in cumulative, yeah, they produce like combined. one solar panel. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a good lesson, though, about life. You know, even if each person does just a little bit, you put it together and you can power some light bulbs. <laughs> Will do. We'll be right back in a week. In a week. <laughs> <laughs> 